Welcome to Gender Weird, the podcast where we ruin your favorite movies by calling them gay. This is Jane. And this is Vivian Strange. Today we're joined once again by Elaine Fuentes. Say hello, Elaine. Hi, everybody. It's great to be back on the podcast. Uh, This time it's not just for nepotism reasons. Uh, I was actually pre-planned this time. (laughs) Today we're talking about Carol and Call Me By Your Name. Carol is a 2015 romantic drama by Todd Haynes, and Call Me By Your Name is a 2017 romantic coming-of-age drama by Luca Guadagnino of Suspiria, Bones and All fame. Carol is based on Patricia Highsmith's novel The Price of Salt, while Call Me By Your Name, uh, the screenplay by James Ivory, is based on a novel by Andy Ackerman. Hope I'm saying that right. Uh, Todd Haynes directed Carol. He's um, He has a background in uh, avant-garde uh, films. He was a pioneering voice in a new queer cinema of the 1990s. Um, but he went on to start making period dramas in the, uh, the, the new millennium. He did Velvet Goldmine, Safe, Poison, Superstar, The Karen Carpenter Story. And Carol is an uh, interesting departure from what he's... You know. mm-hmm. And Luca Guadagnino is also a queer art house uh, director who, before Call Me By Your Name, didn't really have, uh, wasn't really that well known, at least in the, the English speaking world. I would say relatively, um, but like definitely nowhere near as uh, popular as he was after he made the movie. Yeah. And, and he's also known for like um, I Am Love, uh, Suspiria, and Bones and All. And um, a Bigger Splash. A bigger Splash. Yeah, that, another one. Yeah, that too. So, Vivian, uh, why are we talking about Call Me By Your Name and Carol on this fine day? So, um, the big topic of, uh, of discussion for these two films is the subject of age gap relationships, um, especially in the context of queer age gap relationships, because both of these, both of these films deal with one. Um, in the book, Therese, the younger one, is 19 years old, and Carol is in her early 30s. Um, they're aged up in the movie, mm-hmm. um, and the the age difference isn't really as much of a factor. In- it's not. It's not like speci- it's not like specified, um, but I believe that that um, it's played down for sure. It, it, it's an element of the film that's played down, but also at the same time, like I would, Carol's like considerably older or at least Kate Blanchett is I mean they're both playing outside of their at least Rooney Mara is playing outside of her like you know actual age as the time of the film was made yeah she was uh she was she was like 29 at least by the time that this film was released in theaters but I believe that she's supposed to be playing like somebody in her like early 20s I mean both of these films are coming of age films so so that's the age gap there and then in Call Me By Your Name it's a 17 year old uh kid with a uh 24 year old uh grad student and funny enough uh in real life the age gaps was uh was greater than in the film (laughs) yeah uh why why were these films so popular um these films really seem to resonate with gays in the mainstream why 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 call me by your name why why does why does that resonate uh these are popular films that films that gain popularity because we don't really kind of see these kind of narratives depicted. And I think it's also uh, due to the way the films look. They definitely have a unique aesthetic and texture to them that people 
really gravitate towards. I mm-hmm. think, I, and I think another part of it is that, like, kind of like what's like um, talked about in like the celluloid closet is basically that like gay people haven't really had any real mainstream uh, representation of themselves that that are kind of satisfactory. I mean, yes, th- there there have been like some things here and there, like. Um, like like Brokeback Mountain, but like by and large, it it was piecemeal. So to have something that like really hits big, first it's Carol, and then it was Moonlight, and then um, Tell me and then name. Call Me by Your Name, and it felt like you know we we're making progress. Uh, lesbians starved for Carol, and yeah. yeah. So um, none of us is particularly fond of carol i think um, it's as far I think as it's solid I, I think i've softened up to it it's all right it's it's perfectly all right see the big the big deal about carol especially uh, at the time was it's a lesbian love story with a happy ending because lesbians we were starved per for positive happy representation um and you know as far as lesbian love stories go i think we settled for carol um it's yeah like i said it's a fine movie the the reason why i'm a little bit kind of like not like the biggest on carol is because uh todd haynes the director the the stuff he was making in the 90s and i guess like towards the end of the 80s like was just so much more interesting to me i haven't seen like all of his films but like a film like poison and a film like uh Safe. Um, Superstar. Velvet Goldmine. Velvet Goldmine and Safe. Velvet Goldmine is so gay. It's so unbelievably Well, well I queer. mean, it's based off of David Bowie and Lou Reed and combining them into one character, so of course it fucking is. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. you can't escape that like you do, like you do in Carol. <laughs> Jane, you showed me this film shortly after we watched Carol because you're like, alright, I need to redeem Todd Haynes for you. You showed me uh, Superstar, the Car- uh, Karen Carpenter story, which was fucking phenomenal that film broke me but i you know it's not just that the fact that these films are gay it's also the fact that um they're not bound to narrative in the way that carol is carol i feel like ticks all the boxes for i hate the term but like oscar bait dare i say yeah um whereas like some of todd haynes previous films like poison or is like completely different it is like really stream of consciousness it's very fluid in its like aesthetic kind of like sensibilities it's experimental it's avant-garde it's what quite frankly i like to see from a uh acclaimed gay director yeah and lest we forget uh safe which gaspar noe called uh such a dark movie and uh which is really <laughs> ironic considering how for lack of a better word, safe Carol is. And it feels like you, you said Oscar bait, but I would say it's more trying to appeal to heteros in a weird way to make yeah, yes. for straight people. So yeah, it's, it's a film to make gays not look as bad to straight people. And I think it's also because of the time frame in which the film is set because the 1950s, you know, it's like what everyone imagines like I'm the American life to be because, you know, you can't let go of like the nuclear family aesthetic of the 1950s and shit. It, that film has a aesthetic and it has queer characters in it. So it's like, oh, ticking all of those boxes. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's more made for straight people. Well, yeah. I guess like the, the, the reason why people want something that's made for straight people is because they want like a mainstream audience, which is like, you know, presumably heterosexual um cisgender is is basically like they want like the public 
it's a public good to have like queer representation that kind of reaches people. And then they think, huh, I guess those dykes aren't that bad. <laughs> or I guess those fags aren't that bad, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, funny thing about, about neutering Carol for the sake of uh, mainstream heterosexual audiences is the way that they, the way that the filmmakers downplayed and kind of made the age gap thing a non-issue because in the book, in the book, The Price of Salt by Patricia Highsmith, the age difference is very palpable, very relevant. They have a, there is a whole, like, just whole subtextual commentary on uh, lesbianism, uh, mommy issues, and, and the like. They, they very much have that kind of dynamic. And that was just erased I from think the it, movie. Well, I don't know if it's completely erased. I feel like it's just kind of, like, reserved to subtext and it's reserved... Mm-hmm. To, you know at the benefit of making something more palatable and for the record i do think that one reason that call me by your name also like um pulled such an audience and and gained such like widespread acclaim was because it too kind of uh was uh, the ending is a little bit like um sad but also overall it's a happy it's yeah it's a bittersweet movie yeah but it's like it's it's not like tragedy in the sense that like somebody has to die somebody has to be killed somebody has to be hate primed and it's 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 a bittersweet film but i think that also like it kind of appeals to sensibilities of oh this is high class cinema yeah um but i guess like the reason why i like call me by your name a lot more is because guadagnino really sells longing like gay longing for like a partner and Mm -hmm. and i and i really like relate to that and i think he really kind of like showcases like how gay love you know between two like men men is and and i think that todd haynes does something similar with like with like the lesbian relationship but i think that it's a lesbian film directed by a gay man yeah kind of shows yeah (laughs) ironically it shows until the one scene where they actually are in bed together not just like when they're having sex but also like when they're like embracing each other holding each other in bed i think it's i think it is beautiful i think that todd haynes wants to kind of like give lesbians something that they like have been craving at the same time it is like an appeal to kind of like mainstream kind of like sensibilities call me by your name too i i, I do think yeah. so um not that it's necessarily intended yeah it's its success was very unpredictable guadagnino uh, didn't he did not predict that but i think that he was underestimating how cute timothy chalamet was yeah um, yeah and let's you know let's 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 face it um army hammer is uh is is a very oh, oh, oh okay uh, uh before we move ahead let's address an elephant in the room um the the army hammer of it all so here's the thing army hammer is a bad person uh a bad cancelable person because he's a rapist and an abuser now he does also have a cannibalism kink having a cannibalism kink is okay we should hate army hammer but we should do so for the right reasons i think it's telling that like all of his kind of like awkward means of flirting and creepy dms relating to cannibalism completely overshadowed like credible sexual harassment and assault allegations yeah oh why is he bad he's a creepy cannibal well one, we don't know if he's ever eaten somebody. I don't think he has. Yeah, there's never been a charge um, against him like that. Yeah, I, I will say he seems to have this um, ongoing pattern of not really 
reading the room and understanding people's boundaries, what makes them comfortable. Bringing a cannibalism kink in the mix of that is not going to really... Um, it's not going to make it look any better. It's not going to make himself <laughs> look any better. Um, they got Army Hammer to star in uh, Call Me By Your Name, and Luca Guadagnino uh, eventually made a film about cannibalism kink. Yeah. <laughs> He did, yeah, Bones and All, uh, quite a good movie as well. Uh, but, 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 but yeah, I think that, like, if you are at all a sexual person and, and you have, like, some kind of, you know, out there proclivities, I think that, like, it's not really, like, that big of a deal. This is literally a podcast called Gender Weird. We do not kink shame here. Until further notice. We'll see. I don't think that that's his issue. His issue was that he, um, likely, um, assaulted somebody and, um, and, and didn't really know people's boundaries. So then the question is, oh, is it kind of creepy to go, to look back at a film like Call Me By Your Name? Being an older guy with a younger guy, d- does that make it creepy now? Does that make it kind of like hard to watch? Maybe for like people directly affected by him, sure. I, I can't be bothered to like hold that against the film and everything that it has like working. I mean, this is what like Thora Birch said about American Beauty after you know, Kevin Spacey yeah. kind of didn't really make the film look better. Thorough Birch was basically saying, like, I don't think that Kevin Spacey should, his, like, like sins should really bring down, like, how audiences look at this film that was made by all these other different artists and performers and stuff. Um, and, you know, and I'm inclined to agree, but, like, but like, can it be, like, an elephant in the room? Yes, it can. It's not something that bothers me. I, I can look past that. And I can also admit that Army Hammer... Like, he is a good actor. So is Kevin Spacey. He's um, a fantastic actor. That doesn't mean that <laughs> they should still be employed in, like, big films, though. I, you know what I mean? No. But, yeah. But basically, people will kind of, like, look at kind of, like, Army Hammer as, like, this this bad person. And then they'll apply that to, like, the fact that Call Me By Your Name, there's an age gap relationship in it. And they will argue that, you know, Army Hammer's character, Oliver, is preying on Elio, Timothy Chalamet's character. And because, like, he, in the, in the film, he is, like, a 24 year old. And, um, and, you know, Elio is, is a, uh, 17 year old. Okay. Another, the other, uh, elephant in the room, the non rapey elephant in the room, Jane and Elaine. There's a reason we brought Elaine on uh, for this episode. Um, would you two care to tell us why Call Me By Your Name resonates with, with you two in particular? What I kind of get out of Call Me By Your Name more than anything is how it portrays like a gay relationship. The longing aspect, the uh, the holding back, the feeling of being close to somebody. So Timothy Chalamet's character in this, to me, that's Elaine. That, and <laughs> and specifically, like, the way that they move. I, I was also thinking that when I was watching Bones and all, it's like, wow, Timothy Chalamet moves like a fag, just like you do. <laughs> yeah, and, there's the scene in Bones and all where he dances to Lick It Up by Kiss, and I swear to God... <laughs> I dance exactly it's, like him. Not to kit, uh, lick it up, but that scene made me single-handedly like that song. <laughs> their romantic interactions, the way that Elio places his head on uh, Oliver's shoulder, and the way that that Oliver like kind of like you know rubs his feet. It's like ah, I just, I just, it just um, melts my heart. And then, and then like the feeling. When, when they, when they depart, because Elaine and I are in a long distance relationship, when, when they depart from one another, you know, Elio cries and he, and he, and he, uh, 
and he tries to just keep it in. And, and you know, Oliver's doing the same thing, presumably. I know how I know what it's like to be like away from the person that you love after spending so much time with them. And then the moments where you before that where you knew when you know that it's fleeting. And then just being gay, repressing how you feel. You're now away from your partner, how you feel and how you feel like you can't talk about it with anybody else because they they will judge you. That's something that I relate to. Wouldn't, wouldn't you say the same thing? Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, I saw it way before you saw it uh, back in... Came, 2017 was, the, was when it came out, right? Yeah. Yeah, I saw it back then, and I remember seeing it in a theater, and I I wept. I personally connected to it. I saw a lot of myself in Elio. I didn't... Elio, I did not know why, though. Um, because at the time, I was only out as gay. Um, and this was the very broad definition of gay, like, you know... Uh, mm-hmm. saw myself as gay and I was like trying to figure myself out and what really connected with me is how Elio in the film is also trying to like figure himself out in terms of like oh where do I stand with him where do I stand with the other girl how do I you know navigate my own self especially when I started dating Jane and rewatching it again mm-hmm. seeing it so much uh, seeing so much stuff in terms of like how we've interacted in our you know, in person and how it's depicted in the film, it's scarily yeah, it's, similar. It's scarily similar. So, um, something else uh to know is that uh Elaine here is is twenty years old. I am twenty seven years old. Uh have a problem with that, you can leave. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a problem with that, just whatever. I so basically our age difference is more or less the same as um Elio and Oliver's relationship. Uh but so when Ellie and I started dating, she was 19 and I was like, um, 26. Uh, but one of the things that kind of like, for me at least, that I relate to about calling me by your name is the age difference. People nowadays that defend this movie, they like to really strip away the romance and just say, oh, you know, people need to stop looking at this film as a romance and more as a coming of age film. It's both. When Guadagnino says it's not a romance, he simply means it's like, you know, it, it ends it ends in some kind of like tragedy in, in, in terms of like them, like Oliver uh, living a new life without him. At the core of the film, it's it's romantic. Yeah. And for me, part of that, I think it captures like, I don't think that there's anything predatory about any significant degree about um, Oliver and Elio's relationship, like, yeah, whatsoever. Like honestly, uh, like wh- ultimately, when it comes to age gaps, like the reason that uh, the reason when when they are problematic, um, because you know th- th- they they are many times, uh, very often. But the thing that makes them problematic, it's a matter of power and exploitation. When older people have relationships with younger people, why that can be can be a problem is because of the potential for abuse of power. Like the problem isn't so much age in general, it's power. And the thing is when you're younger, you have less power, you know, you have a lot, you know, you don't um, have like the cognitive ability to maybe make the same kind of like decisions that you um, are able to make when you're just like a a little bit older than that. The thing is, so many people like to tie it to, like, a specific number. You know, like, 18 is, like, the fetishized golden year. You know, like, like we must, like, stay away from people until they turn 18. And, like, there's always going to be the question of where precisely do you draw the line. American culture specifically has um, 
designated 18. I mean, it makes somewhat sense because that's the age where you can vote. That's the age where you graduate high school. Still can't drink, though. Yeah, you can't drink then, but... Um, and they can't fuck, though. Yeah, yeah, so um, in the United <laughs> States. When somebody turns 18, they're not, they don't just wake up, like, magically more mature than they did the previous day, completely enlightened with a newfound sense of uh, insight that now dictates that, oh, I am now an adult. And the truth of the matter is they may not even have that until they're 19. They may not even have that until they're a little bit older than that. Like I said, people don't, like, automatically just become an adult overnight. Likewise, people can reach that point of, um, you know, becoming a man, becoming a woman, whatever, before they turn 18. Just like, just like some will do that after they turn 18. He's already at the age of consent in the film. For Italian standards, I believe, is like 16, 17, I believe. And it's actually be 14 in some areas oh, of okay. Italy. So I think that's something that's always important to recognize is that legality does not necessarily equate to morality. There, there are like different cultural perceptions of, of like specifically what makes somebody an adult and what and what doesn't. That is dictated by culture. It, and I do think that culture kind of prepares or doesn't prepare people at different rates. But um, I think that like regardless, just because something is legal does not necessarily mean it is right. Mm-hmm. Like, well, there are child brides in some countries. Yeah. And and I'm talking about people that are like haven't even like hit puberty or just at the brink of puberty that's not um cool. not okay that's yeah that's not okay so like it's 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 so it's important that we kind of like clarify this mm-hmm. like like let us like let it be known kind of like where we stand when when i feel judged for being in an age difference like for being in a relationship with an age difference i feel similarly judged for being in a gay relationship mm-hmm. or being trans to have certain presumptions about somebody solely because you personally view it as a red flag as like oh this isn't right according to my kind of like understanding of what a relationship should be and it's like yes you know age differences that can be a problem because like it can be like a power disparity based off of like maturity difference yeah it really it's case by case um some some people can reach kind of that point where they can make informed decisions adult decisions earlier in life based off of whatever social cultural factors and then there are other people that make those kind of like that reach that at a later stage in their life and sometimes it can be even like well into their 20s yeah there's there there, there is no one age that fits all and it is it is really creepy the whole the arbitrary number uh means you can uh you can fuck somebody and not get uh, legally persecuted, prosecuted for oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Right, yeah. like, people would be, like, counting down, like, the days until Billie Eilish's 18th birthday. That wasn't that long ago, just a number of years ago. I remember when that was a thing. I remember the yeah. most infamous one was the fucking Olsen twins. Oh, yeah. That's especially weird, considering people knew the Olsen twins from, um... Literally, from, since from, they were, chil- like, not even children, like, toddlers. Yeah, on Full House. That's really kind of, mm. Natalie Portman, <laughs> but, too, like, Na- Natalie Portman was a thing. Um, oh my goodness, Leon. Right, yeah, that was a thing. I feel like it's observed a little bit less now um, than in like the 2000s. But at the same time, we still kind of like carry these weird like, assumptions tied to numbers. I remember when I was, I remember when I was, uh, as far back as when I was a teenager. Yeah, I liked, I liked older, I liked being with older people. They weren't all exploitative. They weren't all abusive. Uh, I've seen some people in age gap relationships make the argument that, oh, you know, he might be like seven years older than me, but he's 
pretty immature for his age, and I'm mature for my age. So let's equalize. No, I don't think, I think that's, that's a, a sign of immaturity when they say <laughs> that. Yeah, I I do too. I think that the better way to look at that is like this. Ideally, in a relationship, both parties kind of like help the other person grow. But mm-hmm. I think that like when somebody's like several years older than the younger party, you know, the older party should be kind of like be there to kind of like help the younger one. Um, grow and kind of like be a little bit of a guide like hey i went through this i have more life experience you can turn towards me as kind of like a a guy this is what i would do in this situation Mm -hmm. right wouldn't you say that yeah and i think the thing with like age gap relationships that people really need to understand is it's not the number after a certain point that is the thing that matters what matters is maturity level and when it comes to like figuring out someone's maturity level you need to take time. You need to actually discuss things with them. You have a have to have clear communication. It's yes. a lot more complex because it's not as simple as a number. Because like you said, there's like a lot of people who are really immature when they reach the age of 18. People fail in life because they think they're too mature when they're at a young age. R- right. That's why they have like kids when they're like young. And then they're like, oh, fuck, I don't know how to do any of this shit. R- right. And, and I think that, I mean, oftentimes I've noticed that a lot of adults are kind of childish, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're just like, fully grown little kids. Like, 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 for example, like, Elaine, like, like you're 20. I think that you're like miles ahead of a lot of other people that I know that are like 25. And I think that that's like, I find that kind of like bad on their part. <laughs> like, um, like, like, like that you're more grounded to like, you know, you're more grounded and, and you kind of have a more accurate assessment of life. Basically, people just need to be more critical. I think that, I think this with relationships in general, people need to be more, have a better grasp of like what exactly they're doing with another person. And the thing is, so many relationships fail. Mm-hmm. So when you, factor in like an age difference there the person's more likely to be exploited but guess what here's the thing about relationships there you can be exploited in relationships where you're you're the same age as the person yeah yeah it's not uncommon it's really not uncommon like i felt like with one of my previous relationships i was exploited and we were around the same age and i'm with jane and she has never use me in any kind of way that <laughs> which, which is that. ironic because like one of like uh the person you're talking about one of their friends was basically insinuating that i'm like a groomer uh just which, because literally d- just yeah yeah d- d- just because uh, because of course i've had somebody else that doesn't know me say this about our relationship um that they said i'm a super famous youtuber that basically <laughs> exploited like a uh, a teenage fan of mine I'm like, what are you talking about? No, seriously, what are you talking about? All of the problems that so many adults have with relationships, it just escalates when there is an age difference. Yeah. But I would like to think that I'm not perfect, but I like to think that I have better than average uh, understanding of how relationships work and should work. Power dynamics as well. And like like specific disparities in like age difference. Um to make sure that something is not exploited to anyone listening to this discussion and is coming to the to the conclusion or making the judgment that oh they're saying all this they're saying all this stuff and making these you know these these arguments talking about maturity and shit to justify to fuck minors um that is an issue of maturity on your part uh that is you being Mm -hmm. childish and not understanding that human relationships are 
uh, vastly more complex, uh, uh, multifaceted, multifaceted, yeah. uh, than that. So if, if that's what, if, if that's what you're taking away from this discussion, grow up and go fuck yourself. People have, have caused a lot of fuss over Call Me By Your Name because there is a, a few things that the internet loves, um, uh, throwing fits over as, uh, age gap relationships. Uh, yeah, there's been a strong, like, moral condemnation of it based solely on the fact that the, the characters in, in the romantic relationship are 17 and 24. Um, right, because yeah. I guess the main argument there is, you know, a, a, somebody that's 17 cannot consent to, like, um, sexual practice, especially with somebody that's in their 20s, is, is the argument. Um, I think in this specific context, there's not any exploitation of the power disparity that comes from age difference yeah none at all our understanding of adulthood it is it differs from culture to culture Mm -hmm. and also at that age specifically that leo is at he's 17 sometimes there are 17 year olds that are more mature than 21 year olds that's just the case And, and and also specifically 24 17 not it could be worse it, it, it really could be. I'm just going to say it. If you, the listener, are able to be attracted to somebody that's in their, like, early to mid-20s, you're just as capable of being attracted to somebody that's 16 or 17. Yeah. Yeah. On a more primal level of, like, finding them, like, um, physically attractive, so on and so forth. Because there are people that look older. There are also people that are older that look younger. Um, uh-huh. And that's why, like... More specifically, like, a febophilia is not recognized um, yeah. as, like, a proper, like, um, mental disorder, unlike hebophilia and pedophilia. Like, I can't count the amount of people who, when I was 16, said I looked like I was, like, 19. Yeah. Like, it's insane. like to add that a lot of the detractors of Call Me By Your Name who make this criticism are American just the, come on. The, like. there's, there's, a, there's a tendency to impose one's cultural values onto other cultures. And I'm not like a complete like cultural relativist or anything. Obviously, I'm against like child brides and, and so on and so forth. But like people have a tendency to kind of look at their like Americanized framework of understanding how morality works, how consent works. And in reality, it's more complicated than that. People mature at different rates. And I mean, there are definitely, there are definitely people that I think are like well into their twenties that I would not comfortably be in a relationship with because I feel like they're too immature. Um, and, and that's not the case for my, for my child bride here. (laughs) Former teenage transsexual lover. As far as age gaps go with, uh, when it's, like, people who are, like, older, older than 20, like, uh, uh, for example, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's, uh, the, the, the youngins he dates, um, well, okay, that's a bad example because Leonardo DiCaprio is gay and his, those relationships are PR, um, but that's, that, that, that's neither here nor there. But the people who have the biggest issues with, and, and are all, every time they hear that, like, oh, David Lynch is, like, in his 70s and his wife is in her 40s or some shit like that, people who get upset about that, um, what I think you have a problem with is that <sighs> you're turned on by it. That is, that is a kink. That is a thing. Age gap relationships, uh, I'll say it. They're, they're kind of hot. Uh, like, 
I am I'm 28 years old and like if I had the sh- <laughs> Jane tell us what you did this morning uh who you sent an email to So apparently Lars von Trier the director of Melancholia Antichrist and so on he put out like a seemingly sincere video asking for a girlfriend and muse because he is Getting older, he's 67. Me, being a 27, I, I sent him, him an email saying, basically applying. Um, <laughs> it was, it was a very sweet email. <laughs> it, was, but, it, was a, it was a very sweet email, and I did it sincerely. He doesn't look great. He looks like he's going to die any day. Um, but, uh, he's not too bad. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, he has would, looked worse. I'm okay with uh, that. Listen, listen, I'm okay if he's like my sugar daddy. Yeah, yeah, but, no, that's, that, 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 that's fine. <laughs> but like, but... Okay, yeah, so one, I need to submit mine though. Older um, people have <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, old people are hot too. Uh, David Lynch is almost eighty years old. I I bang David Lynch. Um, I'm mostly I'm mostly into women, and there are a lot of like much older women that you know I'm into. And I think we need to be learn to be okay with that part of ourselves uh, having a thing because yeah. large age gaps like that in adulthood are they're kind of kinky. They're kind of hot. Yeah, but, but but I don't even think it's inherently that. I think it's just more like sometimes two people that just like find each other and they just are mm-hmm. in love with each other and they just happen to be different ages. I'm saying I'm saying that the people who uh make a big deal out of uh thirty year olds dating eighty year olds or whatever, uh they're they're projecting because they think it's hot and they well, don't know how to deal with <laughs> a lot of constructions of relationships are very like specific. Um to benefit like the nuclear family so mm-hmm. basically if somebody's too old oh they may produce they, don't want to be outdated. they may produce an autistic child they may um they may not be able to have kids you know so you know fertility if they're not fertile what kind of relationship is that well if they're old they're most it's, likely have kids already so yeah well but but also if they don't like it's kind of like this this judgment like oh why isn't this person already married because they're older and I think that um, really it, it, it's it's our socially imposed standards for what relationships ought to look like. Yeah, fuck the nuclear family. When people are like icky, icky when it comes to age gap relationships, specifically queer age gap relationships, I just can't help but just like not care because homophobes, they're already calling all of us groomers anyway. You'll get like a straight relationship of like similar nature as call me by your name. And people won't like necess- be as quick to moralize that. Um, and But people will be like, oh, why is calling by your name winning so many Oscars? Don't you know that it's actually about pedophilia? And it's a, it's like, no, it's not. Stop. And also like if anybody is like, well, it is because you're 17. Um, if anybody has contention with me saying that it's not pedophilia, I think that you have to understand that like actual victims of grooming of child molestation like these terms you know to so flippantly use the term pedophile for every, anything and everything it doesn't help victims of pedophilia speaking as somebody who was uh uh groomed and preyed upon as a teenager it's insulting as fuck to to see people uh, moralize about Elio and Oliver, comparing them things like grooming and pedophilic predation. Uh, it's 
it's insulting. It's um, insulting. It, it, but, it doesn't, and it doesn't help. But it's also yeah. predictable and boring. But but also, I think that people being so eager to like label me as a groomer just for being yeah. trans or gay, even without Elaine in the picture, like um, I think that it just kind of makes me more like feel like well, whatever, think what you want to think because this is already what you think. I'm guessing more willing to i i don't need to like prove to people anything yeah Yeah, i completely agree because people like look at films and they're just like they're like oh uh something like coming by your name is like grooming or like sexual abuse and i'm like it really isn't because it's a film that depicts like intimacy in a way that like a lot of other films don't especially from a queer lens if you want to watch a film about that's like actually actively about sexual abuse watch like something like last tingo in paris or you could even throw in a film like fat girl or something like that, which is something that personally uh, affected me when I watched that film. One of the most accurate depictions of sexual grooming and assault I've ever seen depicted on film. Yeah, I remember like when you watch it, it kind of messed you up. Do you think that like being triggered that that was like that that's like a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, it was a good thing because it led to healthy reflection. Like. I'm not going to be one of those people who is just like, oh, you shouldn't watch it because it's disturbing and it'll mess you up. It reminds you of stuff. If something leads to positive self-reflection, that's not a bad thing. Not at all. People need to learn to be more okay with being uncomfortable with media Mm -hmm. um, because uh, hiding from things um, is uh, trying to go through life without being triggered being being upset or distressed or discomforted uh trying to go through life like that is uh well it's a fool's errand uh for one thing you will fail and you need to you need to confront the darkness i mean i I think i think people don't need to do it right away but like uh, discomfort is how we grow i think like specifically like people because people are so eager to call me like a groom or whatever i'm more willing to just like shake it off and kind of just be like whatever but it also makes me more willing to talk about things in more controversial ways and like you know i'm not out to get kids i never have been i've never wanted to so that's the, so that's that um i think specifically the way that people respond to call me by your name um and i think what todd Haynes was was doing his best to avoid was making carol kind of fall into this and this is why he kind of shied away from the age gap element in a more direct way is is because I, I think that because people are so eager to call gay people pedophiles or trans people pedophiles i think that um people are on guard and they try to prove themselves that they're not this they're not that but also in queer history there has been quite a lot of gay age gap relationships and vivian do you know why that is the fact that uh, parental dynamics of uh, of a sort are they are something that is 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 there is present and kind of unavoidable in any queer age gap relationships because that's that's the thing about being young that none of us can avoid is we need guidance we need to be taught about the world we need to learn about it and. That's that's just unavoidable. That's the thing we need. And the thing with queer people, the thing with so many of us is that our parental figures fail us. They they reject us. They they deny us. They kick us out. And right, right. So so, so basically, if like a younger person is kicked out from their like parents' home and and they want to find love and they're gay, they 
And well, for one, there's less gay people than there are straight people visibly. Yeah, um, visibly. Visibly, there, there's yeah, there's visibly. less there's less like <laughs> so there's less chances to meet people, and so that's why there's more it, gay people are already kind of redefining what re- relationship norms are. So I think that they're even if it's even if sometimes they they cross into ethical gray area i think part of that comes down to the fact that they're already challenging relationships you know if like sodomy is illegal in a certain state at a certain time which it 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 was for so long yeah um like i feel like gay people are less likely to abide by other laws as well whether you like it or not your mom and dad they kind of instill certain gender roles um in you it's 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 very kind of sick how gender roles play into this oh, but absolutely specifically with gay people they often will try to either be like their mom or dad or pursue relationships with people that in some ways remind them of their mom or dad in the context of gay relationships, you know, if they don't have a strong support system, like so many parents will throw their gay kids out on the streets, right? Yep. And because just because they're gay, so they're going to try to find some kind of of an adult guidance that they don't have. And as a result, and if they can get that from a partner, why not get that from a partner? How how many of y'all, I would be honest with yourselves, how many of y'all from your 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 female partner, your girlfriend, uh, how, how, how many of y'all uh, kind of like, she's a mother figure to take care of you that, you know, you can also fuck. Um, and how like many of you that... call them mommy? <laughs> or, or daddy. Yeah. Which is more popularized. Daddy is more publicly displayed, I think, than uh than mommy is. Mommy's mm-hmm. more reserved yeah. for because 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 it shows weakness on the guy's part. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, so that's why that's, that's what probably, I'm trying to get at. I, I I gotcha. You know, the pursuit of like older partners, it is very like Oedipal and, and like electric complex related. And so people will long for maternal and paternal figures. And they they try to seek an approximation of that in their partners. So in the case of Carol, one of the things that I loved the part where like this, you know, this older woman is 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 like holding on to like um the younger one and it's, it's it seems like in that moment like that comfort is very nurturing mm-hmm. it's very um i think it's very like motherly and, and 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 you know like the dynamic is very motherly to like um to to a child in in a way and but but you know it but it's like it's yeah. consensual right like mm-hmm. you know they're they're like um mm-hmm. they're yeah. they know what they're doing they know what they're doing and, and i think that that's kind of like where the film like shines the brightest mm-hmm. is is how it kind of explores that aspect of relationships especially with like the contrast with like what her her child you know she's missing her child and she wants to you know essentially fulfill that kind of role it's no surprise that like you know that is one of the focal points of the narrative and like what she's trying to strive for this is she wants to fill that part of herself but she also just really likes being with a woman you know and that's what's satisfying to her is she likes being in a relationship where she can be like that but also have a a, you know have a daughter that she can raise like that because it's what carol wants with therese yeah it's also what she wants with her daughter but they're completely different ways because she wants to be maternal in a mature way um with therese and like you know a relationship sense Meanwhile, she wants to be maternal in a parental sense. And there's two and there's different ways uh, expressing that. And I think that needs to be understood. It, it may sound random, but this actually kind of reminds me of um, <laughs> Disney's Frozen a little bit. Just really? so far as. Well, okay, so, okay, just hear me out for a second. Um, so, like, one sister feels estranged from the other. And really, like, what fulfills her is finding. Um, romance with a uh guy 
And it, it's pretty clear to me that like what she's fulfilling in her relationship is like what she can't get from her sister. And oh, in yeah. the end, it's, you know, the true love is between sisters, not between, like, you know, romantic partners. Mm-hmm. Also worth noting that that film also has an age difference that is not really that moralized on that grounds because it's straight. <laughs> well, yeah, it, um, it's straight. No one gives a shit because... What do you think about, like, the Oedipal nature of relationships? Are we pursuing relationships in search for, like, new parents in a way? Um, In a way, yeah, because everyone's relationship is like built off of like their own predetermined relationship with the other figures in their life whether that be parental uh sibling anything like that and basically what we do is we take small portions of each relationship that we have and we try and find what we like and don't like what we didn't have versus we did have and like we try to like find what fills our voids of like what was missing and that kind of fuels what we want out of people and like the more relationships people have they do the exact same thing we're reflecting on this relationship how can i imply it with like someone i'm fucking you know and uh i'm gonna be real edible complexes are just fucking normal and they're just a part of relationships like whether you know it or not it doesn't matter if it's intentional or not it's happening like as simple as that well i mean okay so does that mean that in some ways you look at me as like a maternal figure or like yes and i'm pretty sure some in some ways you do as well it's a part of just like what attracts people to other people. A part of relationships is that maternal figure and stuff because you're going to need to have that at some point when you're in a relationship with somebody. Like it doesn't even have to be sexual or like really parental. It's just like comforting somebody in like a time of vulnerability. Like just being open and listening to someone. That is still technically maternal because you're still heeding what they're saying and mm-hmm. like acknowledging it. Yeah. Like, and that comes from parental uh, figures and figures that are, you know, meant to raise you and guide you. I mean, it's all reflected in the scene near the end um, with um, Elio and his father and the way that is, like, kind of meant to, like, showcase um, a comfort that he really hasn't felt before and could be reflected in how he's going to look at relationships in the future. Uh, For Call Me By Your Name... I, I don't see the, you know, uh, parental thing in there. In fact, actually, honestly, I'd say as far as uh, the differential of power goes, power is in Elio's favor. Elio is the one who has the power in the situation. Um, one, it's his house, his family, um, his, his his dad is uh, Oliver's boss, basically, <laughs> Um, the culture that Oliver comes from is a homophobic and a more homophobic and repressive one. Oliver is delayed. Oliver is, has, is not, has not been able to, you know. Flourish you know, in a way. Yeah. Because like, like, you know, Elio's dad is like really supportive. You know, he wasn't ever sure how supportive he would be, but he's like a very like supportive of his son being like gay or bi or whatever. Whereas I feel like with Oliver, he basically settles for a woman. He, he, you know, he had this on and off again relationship. That heteronormative model for what relationships should be and basically settles for a woman. And he's escaping that part of him, you know. He remembers everything he says. Mm-hmm. He, um, which is which is in a way romanticizing kind of like what he had in Italy. But when he goes home, it's like, I must return to what I'm, ex- what's expected of me. But, you know, like throughout 
call me by your name, you know, Elio wants to display affection and Oliver kind of backs out because he's scared. Why, why do you think that Oliver, like, you know, gives up, like, homosexuality? Because he presumably just had his first experience. Um, and it seems like he is gay. He's just scared. Why do you think that he, like, gives it up? For Oliver, thinking of it from his perspective, uh, he had a, uh, he had a, a basically a magical summer romance um, where he was able to uh, be himself and have, you know, a, a homosexual relationship, which presumably from, you know, context and whatnot is first one he's had. Um, so returning back home to uh, the repressive environment that he's used to, what's he going to do? Try to uh, wait in, in America until he can, until he falls in love with uh, uh, another guy like Elio. Like that's, yeah, that's, that's just, and in the case and, of calling by your name, it's more peripheral, right? We don't see like America. It, it's like this looming thing that, you know, he's going to return there. He's going to return there. And he's going to hate his life. He's going to settle with some woman that, you know, maybe I don't even really read Oliver as bisexual. I feel like Elio, yeah. it, 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 I feel like with Elio, there's more of a possible case for Elio. I think he's more homo leaning though. Um, what I find interesting about Carol and what like Todd Haynes really kind of like emphasizes with that is like what middle class like America was in the 1950s, mm-hmm. you know, in like Manhattan, you know, in, in New York. Basically, like the whole relationship that unfolds, it starts with like this friendship, this kind of this like courtship between like a woman and a younger woman. And it kind of like, where does it go? It goes basically, uh, you know, it's a relatively happy ending, but like it there's there's some bumps along the road and you know like calling by your name you know for a while they're separated from each other and you know um so therese was basically like like longing for carol and and we see kind of these emotions like kind of like just expressed on her and through her face and basically todd haynes really like emphasized honestly guadagnino does this too but both of these directors really emphasize the environment the environment that they're in Mm -hmm. what is everything so for oliver you know it's like this romantic uh vacation in in, in in Italy, you know, for his graduate work. But in the case of like America, 1950s America and Carol, it's like this like very patriarchal system of control. What I find to be the interesting part of Carol, the sto- interesting story being told there is Carol's story of her family, like disintegrating her, her family being threatened because she is queer being who she is in the 1950s mm-hmm. where you know she's fighting for you know custody of her daughter and having to go through the psychiatry to get herself cured of her of her homo homoness um uh like i found that as a story so much more compelling than her relationship with this this shop girl i think feel like if anything her relationship with like Therese is basically like um what she wants yeah mm-hmm. where in base and what is in the way is society and it's like tantalizing because this is what she wants but she can't get that because of patriarchy because of like monogamy and you know oh, um heteronormativity when you absolutely say. yeah and also just like if i you were talking about this and how it leans into like modernity and i'm like yeah there definitely is that aspect going for it it's not really interested in the female form outside of this one, you know, the the sex scene. It definitely feels like it's made by a man, a it, gay man, who 
is not very interested in women, which is very curious because, it, it, like, it's, it's his interest- films follow lesbians a lot of the time. Yeah. So there is an interest, but it's not on the physical form, which well, I feel like is strange, especially considering Call Me By Your Name is the exact opposite. Right. And that film focuses so much so on the form. It, um, it, you know, from that film, you almost get this this like this almost like asexual vibe like but, but like but yeah he's he's interested in man yeah. and yeah. i think that you can kind of tell um but in, in a way what, what the reason why that why lesbians kind of liked it regardless is because you know he was able to deliver the goods when they were called for yeah and and i feel like you know because the a big lesbian film that kind of came out like just two years before was the French film Blue is the Warmest Color. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. Which has very male gazy, um, and and in the lesbian subjects, uh, like, and sometimes it like benefits the story. Sometimes there's a contextual like uh, justification, but other times it, it just feels superfluous, yeah. and yeah. it doesn't help that like you know the director was sacrificing his own uh, narrative integrity um, to convey his fetishes. It's a detriment to the story in a way. I kind of like the film, but like... Even the actresses felt like they were prostitutes and didn't really feel like they were... Yeah, the actresses actresses felt exploited or kind of like coerced. Um, Interestingly, Blue is the Warmest Color is also a... uh, uh age gap yeah so so basically this like this, this like high school girl i think she was like 16 or 17 it's france like like make of that what you will but basically it's like a high school girl that kind of like hooks up with somebody that she met that she meets first she sees her like across the street and then later she kind of uh meets her at a at a lesbian bar and mm-hmm. they kind of like form this relationship that spans a few years it, it's an interesting film but basically you know at the time even lesbians were kind of like oh yeah this is good but there's this element that feels really um this 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 heterosexual exploitation kind of imposed on this lesbian story and even like you know even uh with carol it's like it doesn't have that thank god but also it lacks interest (laughs) at all yeah i think that that's kind of like like the trade-off is yeah it's a double-edged sword but I don't know. I think at the end of the day, like, like he he delivers like where where it counts the most. Um, it's just that I I'm not as sold on the relationship as a result. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, uh, if you're looking for good good lesbian movies, um, go ahead and skip Carol and go straight to 2016's The Handmaiden. Better in every way. It's also really it's also really hot and horny without being exploitative like blue is the warmest color. Um I'll do you guys one better. Ooh. Uh Bound by the Wachowski sisters. Made oh, yeah. in the fucking 90s. Fucking 20 years That old. shit is like one of the best lesbian depictions. Gush. That's good. Gush, 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 gush. It's, 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 (laughs) Bound is a good movie. Uh, It is a great film. I I like Handmaiden more. I also like to point out my sister, who is a talented lesbian artist. Hell yeah. They they love Carol, but we even talked to her a little bit, and she's like, yeah, I like it, but I will admit, it is definitely just what we got, and I'm happy that we got what we got at the time, so. Yeah, that seems to be kind of the consensus, and I think that over time, I mean, that's how some gay people also look at Call Me By Your Name. I mean, we liked mm-hmm. it, when, when it when it came, but. it Like, if I'm being honest, that's kind of how I look at Portrait of a Lady on Fire now. It captured the lesbian zeitgeist at a certain time, and yeah. and maybe for good reason. It's just that, like, I, I just think that they're... <sighs> 
these directors are tend to go more formal, which I, when I wish that they went more experimental. I mean, yeah. uh, Celine Sciamma definitely got the longing down. Like that, 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 yeah. that movie. Oh, good. absolutely. She nailed oh. the intimacy. Oh, God. <laughs> these directors are tend to go more formal, which I, when I wish that they went more experimental. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, when it comes to like period pieces, they're not usually my thing. I mean, like, Carol, there are still interesting things like going on in the narrative. Like, as you were saying, the whole kind of like, um, the disruption of family and kind of the, dis- and as a result, the disruption of order in kind of like middle class, uh, America, you know, in the, in the 1950s, there's interesting things going on. Cause like her affair with like Therese, it, it's an affair. She's like, it's, she's, you know, being unfaithful to her husband. I, I'm, I mean, I'm pro Carol all the way, oh, yeah. but I've seen people moralize Carol with that. It's, yeah. it's silly. Like, like as far as moral transgressions go, like that's low on the list. <laughs> it's so low. Well, I mean, that's something that also like people say about like "Call Me by Your Name" is that like, oh, Elio is being cheated on because the whole time Oliver was like with a woman back home. Well, and I take some fucking umbrage with that. The, the devastation <laughs> in that moment is is Oliver's surrender to heteronormativity. Um, it's it's in in monogamy. It, it's it's not. Yeah. Also, it's worth noting that, like, he does say that, like, that relationship was on and off again, and that's why he didn't talk about it. So mm-hmm. it might have been off again when he went to Italy. Um, yeah. Like, come on, if you, you you go you go overseas for to to study on you know for for grad school or whatever, you go to fucking Italy. It's it's gorgeous. Like, it's total total dreamland. And you're there's this 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 hot twink that you're you're like you're crushing on you get that stuff. Why the fuck would you bring up your uh, ex girlfriend? You're on again, yeah, off exactly. again. Oh, for sure. I mean, like in the past, you know, there have been like international students that like I kind of like um, <laughs> there have been international students in the past that I've hooked up with that kind of were in like similar situations. <laughs> um, it. I mean, in this case, it's like you know people traveling from their more conservative countries to the free thinking air quotes uh um american society and what they want is they want like a a guy or or like a trans chick to to suit them um it's a sometimes it's fun being people's fetish yeah um yeah it's true and and you know i've been in situations that have been marked by ambiguous faithfulness i guess specifically in the case of like mainly me being like on the other end of it yeah but 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 yeah i i think that like it's it's a little silly to say that like you know he was cheating on him and 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 by extension of that they'll say that oh oliver was just using elio the two of them never truly wanted each other they wanted each other they gave each other their names they 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 started like wearing each other's shirts and necklaces and 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 they became like one during that trip no i i i think that's just like people i think that's just a homophobic response and a puritanical Mm -hmm. and a puritanical kind of like um defense of, of like wanting to like it but also not wanting to be you know, face the consequence of the fact that you like problematic, you know, relationship film. I, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the, a lot of the criticism I read tends to be always lean that way, um, or just be silly, like like butt hurt, like oh, this is like um, Eric Romare and Bertolucci. 
Um, yeah, he's just but not doing, them. but not doing it good enough. Like I don't, I, it's I can't really do that. Just stupid film bro criticism. Or like, oh, I just think it's like a little bit too out there that Timothy <laughs> Chalamet like like screws a peach. Yeah, like fucking a peach is not that. There are lots of uh 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 high high fructose um uh, masturbation <laughs> fructose implements fruits. to be to be found. I mean, like, I also just think about, like, The Wayward Cloud by, uh... Yeah, Simon Lang. Yeah, where basically it's, like, there's, like, there's a lot of sexual scenes involving watermelon. Uh, It's being used as, like, a place for, like, you know, in in the universe of the film, it's, like, there's a drought, I believe. Yeah, there's, like, a water shortage. And they're using watermelon to, like, you know... It's using that as a metaphor for, like, a lack of, like, anything satisfying or, like, Mm -hmm. truly filling the gap yeah right right but, but, then, but, then, but then it just becomes like um commodified to hell and back and just like exotified and mm-hmm. we're like you know the, the pornography being tied to like yeah watermelons I to, um i need to see this movie. oh you do you do it's need great. to see this it's one of the best films ever made and you know so it's call <laughs> me by your name mm-hmm. i guess i just like fruits inside of fruits yeah you just like um, fruity films <laughs> uh elaine how would you interpret like the the peach scene that's like a, a topic of conversation the peach scene oh man the way i kind of look at this peach scene and uh calling by your name if i'm correct i believe it follows the scene where Ilio uh Ilio gets sucked off or jerked off by oliver and he just like ah you're still hard i love it so he left him hanging and so i think given the fact that he's like oh i want some more of that sweet sweet feeling of oliver no wonder he turns to a peach, um, one of the sweetest fruits, and then guts it and then, you know, begins to pleasure himself with it. And I think in that moment, it's a moment where he's just he wants that feeling again and he's trying to replicate it. And in that moment, he's just like, ugh, this very vulnerable moment where he's like, OK, I'm trying to find anything to satisfy me in the same way he does. And when he sees him like that, he Elio gets embarrassed because of it, because he doesn't want this part of him to show I feel like it's also just like in the in a biblical sense, you know, like taking the forbidden fruit, and you know, homosexuality is forbidden. I feel like it represents the humanity of everything, mm-hmm. and and the the desire to explore beyond, you know, and 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 I think it I think it's like a great scene. I feel it's like an amazing scene. Yeah, all of those sensory details of the environment and the sound design, it all leads to that man in nature. <laughs> That's not the part of the scene that is really interesting to me. What's really interesting to me is when Oliver shows up and mm-hmm. sees what he's done, and uh, Elio gets really insecure and, and and sensitive. He feels he feels ashamed because he because he has done he has done a this sick depraved thing. Yeah, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing weird about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's joking about it, but then he realizes that he went too far. And he's like, "Oh no, no, no!" Like, like, yeah, I, he I'll, like jokingly com- tries to eat the cum-filled peach. <laughs> yeah, and and Which I would just, have eaten the fuck well, out just of that like, peach. Oh yeah, I would eat it too. <laughs> uh, but but that is to me that's Elaine. That is us. <laughs> you know the dynamic. I think that the dynamic is strong between them. Maybe we find different outlets, you know, to express like how we feel about one another, how we can, you know, express ourselves without, you know, physically being together. But the moment of just like their embrace and the way he holds 
uh, Oliver, you know, kind of this like bigger kind of figure to him and Oliver comforts him as well. It's showcases something that is like so tender. And it's like almost like, it's almost like a ma maternal or paternal feeling in that, that he needs that comforting and just like reassurance and like, I don't want to say words of affirmation, but just like knowing that it's going to be okay for him in that moment. And I just see that a lot in myself and how I process stuff um, with everything that, that given the person that I am being very much more Demi. And I kind of get that from Elio a little bit because he's definitely the fact that he <laughs> is the way he is reads that he's way more into the romance aspect rather than the actual sex of it. I think it's a tragedy that they don't stay together, but that's also kind of the nature of life sometimes. You know, people are separate from miles and miles and even countries away from each other. And they they, they long for each other. And But I think what's important is like in the scene where, where his dad kind of like comforts him and tells him oh that and, and, mm -hmm. and this scene like gets to me a lot. I, I see the scene as a necessary for a lot of gay people that don't have a fatherly figure to tell them that everything is going to be okay. And also more specifically not to repress things. Mm -hmm. Repression is a huge thing that, you know, basically ends up leading to suicide. You know, repression can lead to suicide. It can lead to self-hatred. It can lead to, you know, even worse, um, heterosexuality by <laughs> compulsory. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think yeah. that, and that's, and that's ultimately, you know, what, Oliver doesn't have what Elio has, you know, he was mm -hmm. like, if I was yeah. gay, you know, you know, if they knew that I was gay, they'd send me to the coal mines or something. That's that, that's the tragedy there. Yeah. And so, you know, the father really, you know, comforts him. He kind of reveals that he's a little bit on the bisexual spectrum. Yeah. Um, Oliver like starts off like really pretentious trying to um, impress like his father you know, yeah. the way he talks about things. But then Elio's like not really that phased by it. And, and they don't even seem well, to like to each other. Well, he tries to out-pretentious him uh, yeah. later in the film with like the box scene. Is there anything you don't... Oh, <laughs> is there anything you don't know? It, it takes a, its sweet time in really developing. Um, you know, they, yeah. they kind of like exercise distance and they kind of like don't know where to go, you know. Um, you know, what to do with each other. And... They, they fear they, and they, they fear the uncertainty and they fear kind of like it ending as quickly as it starts and you know oliver as as the older party you know he's on guard someone he wants to make sure that he's not you know screwing this kid up he yeah. wants to make sure that everything that they're doing is like um is consensual is is like you yeah know? and i and i think that it, it's subtle how it's expressed and i think that the nuance can be lost with a lot of people but i think it's there Mm -hmm. And I see it. What you need to know is if you're going to get into a relationship like this, first and foremost, it doesn't matter if you have an age gap or not, make sure you're your own self and you're happy with being yourself and are prepared for being in a relationship emotionally, physically, all that shit you need to be ready to do. And especially if it's an age gap relationship, there needs to be some commonality in like your maturity level before you really decide to jump into it. And yeah, one person can have more life experience than the other. And that's a good thing for a guide. But they also need to be like ready for life. They need to be experience, have their own experience, even if it's a little bit. Mm -hmm. Or or at least like be on that path, on that trajectory yes. of like on the, on the path to growth. Yes, and absolutely. quite frankly, a lot of people aren't 
So mm-hmm. it makes sense why like so many of these types of relationships don't always work out. Absolutely. Um, Oliver wants what this their experience together to be something that Elio looks back on in his life and thinks of it favorably. Because, you know, really when you're in like an age gap relationship, that's and you're like the older party, that's what you hope for. Uh, even if things end at some point, you want to be have been a good influence on that person, a good part of their life, their growing. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, even if you that's know like that... Oliver's big fear, even that mm-hmm. even when he mentions that, when they just have a small interaction or a conversation, and if he was a groomer, um, he wouldn't be that self-conscious <laughs> he wouldn't have backed out you know you know like like he, he shows the yeah. early signs by kind of like you know physical touch and, and and kind of like the way he talks to him and and, and interacts with him wants to do things with him and kind of takes an interest in his music and kind of mm-hmm. like, scolds him in a very kind of like uh big brother kind of way if this were like a straight film no one wouldn't fucking give a shit another straight film that people love all the straighties love this film um fucking the notebook is such a fucking disgusting depiction of relationships there's a little bit of like you know coercion beyond Coer- people's yeah, boundaries that's the right like, like 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 yeah. i'm gonna kill myself if you don't go out with me exactly that's, that's how it oh. begins and then like holding on to things like even well even they, like they mention so much that there's a whole part where they're talking about how great the relationship is and they're like there wasn't a week that went by without them at least fighting at least a little bit. And there's a part where they're about to have sex with each other and it gets interrupted. And it's like, wait, are you going to leave me now? Is this like for good now? And I'm like, you're yeah, really expecting me to. It, th- there's a lot of kind of this? like questionable. Di- there's a lot of questionable <laughs> dynamics in that film. Um, yeah, it's not the worst. It is the worst. No, it's not the it, worst. It is the worst. It's not the worst. His John Cassavetti's bastard son needs to get the Miyazaki treatment. Sometimes you just need to Miyazaki your kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about Carol a little bit. I, I don't think they spotlighted or like emphasized the the age gap uh, really enough for it to mean much of anything. Like she's young and ex- inexperienced, sure, but she's not someone we don't view her as a child mm-hmm. we, 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 we don't but it is a coming of age film mm-hmm. in a way like like, like it, it ends it like i think that like it is like an experience that she hasn't had and it's, and she's being guided by this older woman and she mm-hmm. kind of gets like caught up in this like whole like yeah. dynamic um by being kind of like the object of desire for I this agree. woman yeah i think also it's a double-edged sword because i kind of like these aspect of they don't really talk about it because it's like it was really commonplace in the 50s to just have an age gap relationship. But at the same time, not addressing it is just like... Little, it should. It's like ignorant to not address it in the context of this Right, film. right, right. Especially because like, like, even if she's like, you know, early 20s or 19 or whatever, and she is like in her 30s or 40s, like it's there and mm-hmm. we see traces of it. But, it and, but unlike Call Me By Your Name, it's just kind of there and it's not really like dealt with enough yeah. i i do think that i do it's think that there is a, an oedipal com- mm-hmm. complex to, to all of it though it's also interesting that very few people have really judged carol as much as they have called me by your name and i think it's because carol doesn't explicitly mention well that's not entirely true though because kate blanchett was uh <laughs> like yeah. you know she was she was saying this like during like you know when she was talking about tar some guy was telling her like you have a knack for for playing a predatory lesbian. And she's like, uh, excuse me? Yeah. It, it is something that's like popping up here and then because 
ongoing puritanism of kind of like anti sex anti romance uh th- that's plaguing um the nation and 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 uh, gay people get kind of the worst of it mm-hmm. um yeah it, it it it's it's something that's there and and I think it's something that we need to resist and yeah. and we need to tell challenging stories i think and i and you know i know that carol is beloved by many i hope that you know some of our audience members liked it more than we did yeah because uh, yeah. todd haynes is a good, todd haynes is a good director um and, yeah. and there's definitely things to appreciate about carol yeah but but personally i think that we need to kind of like make um films that are more out there that are a bit more kind of like challenging we need to deal with challenging subject yeah. matter mm-hmm. we, we can't shy away from the darkness we yeah. can't shy away from kind of like complicated dynamics we can't just make everything simpler that's mm-hmm. bad for everybody if yeah. it exists it must be examined through our art because yes. with carol it's definitely important for you know the queer community at the, the lesbian community at the time but it is definitely something that is more appealing, you know, cis straight sensibilities of like, oh, we can accept gays, but to a certain point. But if we're being real, filmmakers like Kenneth Anger and John Waters did not get as far as they did by doing what Carol did. Yeah, Carol is is exactly what um, the celluloid closet wanted the trajectory to be. Um, something yeah. like Poison mm-hmm. is what we. But we should just make we should make more films like that. But then at the same time, how do you really reach a mainstream? I, I think that when it's possible, when yes, it's possible. But when more challenging works do enter the mainstream, like Euphoria, people have you know there's a, it may like in like people a lot react of the very viscerally and unpleasantly. There's a lot of mm-hmm. visceral response to not only like Euphoria, but it, but like the creator of euphoria and then the next episode um you're in for a big one folks uh basically we're going to be talking about the first two seasons of euphoria um as well as the special episodes which come in between those seasons so make sure to check out all of that before uh listening to the next episode because yeah just rewatch euphoria rewatch euphoria we're going to uh the best shows ever made um also we want to take a look at um, it's creator Sam Levinson as well, and uh, some of their their other works and recurring things because people's whole uh, issues with Euphoria are like directly related to its their issues with its creator. And I think everybody is full of shit and wrong about <laughs> about them. So um, highly recommend checking out um, Assassination Nation, um, which is. Uh, Levinson's film from 2018, uh, super ahead of its time, mm-hmm. super amazing, and no one on the internet gets it. So we're so we'll be talking about Sam Levinson and the creator of, of Euphoria, and we're going to be kind of like um, digging deep into that show um, and kind of like t- I guess a trigger warning everything. <laughs> um, yeah, um, it's a it, it's a it's a great yeah. show, um, but yeah, it, but that's going to be the last episode of this season of gender weird um and then we're kind of go from there i i hope that everybody's kind of like enjoyed this like um series thus far um i definitely have enjoyed making it it's uh turns out better than uh better than i imagined Mm -hmm. imagined it would it's always nice to have someone to bounce off of as well and is very much on like my same wavelength um and and of course it's always nice to have like guests like um elaine here yeah it's really nice to be on uh 
such a radical <laughs> podcasts or like just anything by intelligent queer people who are also sexy as fuck. <laughs> All right, guys, um, girls, goobers, we'll <laughs> we'll uh, we'll come back next time um, to talk about euphoria and queer youth. Um, later.